so, so pumped to be with you this evening, but before we sit, let's just pray. God, we thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house this evening. We know that there are so many other places we could be, but there is something significant that happens when we're in your house, God. And so we pray tonight that you would speak to us, deposit something into our hearts, refresh us, and strengthen us for everything that lies ahead in the week to come. In your name we pray, amen. Awesome, you can take your seats. So if you don't know me, my name is Robin and I am married to the incredible, the incredible Matthew Gillette. You can't miss him. He's so tall and I'm so short, so it's really funny. We get a lot of looks in shopping centers um, and we have the privilege of leading at Camps Bay. And tonight, I have the privilege of speaking to you about mental health. And mental health is one of these funny things. Usually when you bring up the topic, there's one of two responses. The first one is, yes, I'm so passionate about mental health, we need to speak about this. And the other response is usually, oh my gosh, why are we speaking about this again? Like, can't people just pull themselves together? But I'm here tonight to speak about it because it is something that is way more common than you might think. Yeah. So as a means of illustrating, I have a jar of normal chocolate chuckles. And these represent everyone who does not struggle with mental health and probably won't struggle with mental health through their lives. It was hot in the car, so they might have melted. <laughs> And then the white chuckles, which in the morning were half chuckles and half endearments because I got hungry yesterday, <laughs> but we have now replaced them. These are people, will represent people who do struggle with mental health or might struggle with health, mental health in their lifetimes. So now, like any good group of people, it's a mixture. Sorry, it takes a while, it's a lot of chuckles. <laughs> And there we have it. So as you can see here, that whether you struggle with mental health or not, there's a lot of people very close to you who do struggle. And as the church, we have a responsibility because we're supposed to be the hope of the world. And so we need to educate ourselves and we need to be prepared to help people with mental health struggles because we don't wanna be a source of despair and people that alienate people who are struggling we want to be a source of support and help for those around us. And that's why we're speaking about it today. And I personally am no stranger when it comes to struggling with mental health. So I've studied two degrees. My first one is a Bachelor of Health Sciences. And in my second year, so keep in mind, I was a grade A student throughout high school. Graduated with many distinctions. Um, I was a national tennis player. So I was used to excelling. And then in my second year, of my first degree, I found myself studying so, so hard to the point where I was sleeping for three hours a night, just giving everything towards my studies and I was failing. I was getting 30%, which wasn't very um, normal to me. I was like, what's going on here? And I actually went into a very heavy season of depression where I couldn't get myself out of bed in the morning. It took everything within me just to get up and show up at university. 
and my heart felt so heavy. I was like, God, like, I feel like I'm dragging around a bag of bricks behind me just trying to get through the day. So that was when I first started struggling with mental health, and I honestly, for a moment, thought I would never get out of that, but God pulled me through. And then in 2021, I was studying medicine, and I was in Clarksdorp. Um, so I studied at Wits in Joburg, and they sent us to Clarksdorp, which is in the northwest province, on a rural rotation. And there's like nothing there. They, they have one Woolworths, and I'm a Woolworths girl, so I was like, how can you only have one Woolworths? I had to drive to the other side of town for the Woolworths. But basically, we were staying on a hospital premises in one of the dormitories. And one, one morning at about 3 a.m., I woke up in extreme panic. I couldn't breathe. I thought the world was going to end. There was no reason for it, but I was just so overwhelmed with panic and anxiety. And it was so funny because I actually ended up running down to the casualty in the hospital where I had been seeing patients the day before. And I was like, please, help me. I'm now the patient. Like, just give... Give me something to calm me down. But in that moment, I really thought that the world was coming to an end, and I was overwhelmed by the sense that something terrible was going to happen. I was so anxious, I couldn't breathe. And you know, in both of those situations, I was struggling so much. And the worst part is that if anyone looked at my life from the outside, they would have said, but you have the perfect life. You're studying prestigious degrees. You have a family who loves you. You, you love God. You even preach sermons. Mental health shouldn't be a problem for you. And that only perpetuated my feelings of depression and anxiety because I knew I wasn't supposed to be feeling that way, but I was. And because I was so ashamed of this, and I was, I was kind of like, no, but I'm, I should be better than this. Let me just try to snap out of it. I actually spent many, many months struggling with it before I decided to seek help. But I had this revelation one day that what you don't change, you allow. And I realized that if I don't decide to seek help, if I don't decide to change the situation, I'm actually allowing myself to feel this way. And so I decided that even though it was hard, even though I felt like I was maybe being weak for seeking help, I did it. And can I say that the only thing that happened after I sought help was I got better? And the only question I was asking is why didn't I do this sooner? That's the only thing I thought, there's so much more to life than I've ever experienced. Why didn't I do this sooner? So my first encouragement tonight is maybe you're struggling and you're thinking, oh, I just need to step out of it. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Go and get help because there's so much more to life than you're currently experiencing. But you know what? Unfortunately, some people have a different revelation or they reach a point of tolerance where they're struggling, but instead of finding help, they decide to end their lives. And in that very same year that I was struggling with anxiety and panic attacks, there was a doctor who was studying to be an anaesthetist, and she was about to, to finish her time as a registrar, which is a doctor that's specializing. And they actually found her in her car at the hospital after a 24-hour shift, and she had committed suicide. And just three weeks ago, an intern at the hospital that I work at also committed suicide. And so we need to realize that mental health is not only a problem that affects our quality of life, but it's a very dangerous, yeah. dangerous yeah. disease. Yeah. And so we need to take this seriously, yeah. and we need to love people and be there for them because it does and can have fatal consequences. And I really believe that as a church, we can do better than we've currently been doing. Because for me, I really didn't, if I'm honest, 
feel supported both by the medical profession and the church when I was going through my struggle. And each one of us here might know someone who's lost their battle with mental health because they didn't get the help that they needed. And so I'm here tonight to educate us a bit, to give you some facts as well as some encouragement so that we can hopefully prevent that from happening to anyone else that we know and love. So the first thing I'm gonna do is give you a little bit of a medical crash course about depression and anxiety. And the reason I'm only speaking about these two, I know that there's many other medical health issue, uh, mental health issues, but the reason I'm speaking about these two is that they often underlie every other mental health issue. So things like eating disorders, PTSD, even psychotic disorders are often underlined by depression and anxiety. So how common are anxiety and depression? Well, some studies show, a global study in 2020 showed that one in four people study with, suffer from depression and anxiety. And a study in 2015 in South Africa showed that almost one in three people study, suffer with depression and anxiety, which are the ratios that I used for this illustration here. So you can see that it's so common. And the WHO actually says that depression and anxiety are currently the third leading cause of mortality, which means death, and morbidity, which means to affect someone's quality of life in the world. So that means that it's up there with things like cancer and cardiovascular diseases. Mental health issues actually kill us and they affect our quality of lives. So how, what does depression look like? Here are some symptoms that you can look out for. So it's a prolonged decreased mood for greater or equal to two weeks associated with feelings of sadness and emptiness, tearfulness, irritability, lack of purpose, feeling hopeless, worthless, or excessively guilty, losing interest in activities that you previously enjoyed, difficulties concentrating, changes in sleep patterns, which might be increased or decreased, changes in appetite, which might be increased or decreased, aches and pains with no obvious cause, and only in some cases, suicidal thoughts. And anxiety, the symptoms that you can look out for, is feelings of panic or panic attacks, excess fear or uneasiness, sleeping problems, tingling hands, shortness of breath, heart palpitations, dizziness, dry mouth and nausea, feelings of impending doom, and feeling that something bad is going to happen at any moment. So what causes depression and anxiety? So often we see that there's an interplay between depression and anxiety, where one often leads the other, but they're very closely associated. And that's because the pathways that cause them are very much the same in the brain. But there's some things that we've seen that are common denominators that underlie these mental health issues. So the first one is a genetic component. So they've done studies on identical twins. And so identical twins have an exact, exactly the same genetic makeup. That's why they're identical. And they've seen that when there's a gene passed down from the parents to the identical twins, they haven't identified the exact gene, but they, they see that there is a, a correlating gene. So if a parent struggles with depression or anxiety, that gene is passed down. And because the twins have the exact same genetic makeup, usually what they see is that both twins then struggle with depression or anxiety. But there is good news. It only predisposes you to depression or anxiety. So it means that just because your parents might have had it or your grandparents might have had it, you aren't necessarily doomed to depression and anxiety. It just makes you more predisposed. 
And I want to encourage us, if we can seek help early and we can prevent the onset of severe disease, it also means that we are more, less likely to, to pass it on to our children and subsequent generations. So that's the first thing that can underlie these conditions. Um, the second thing is underlying medical conditions. So anything like low vitamin B12 or low vitamin D, hypothyroidism, as well as hormonal imbalances. So especially for women, anything like pregnancy, menstruation, menopause, any time where there's a fluctuation of hormone levels, that can also make you more predisposed to mental health issues. And this is one of the reasons why it's very important when you start struggling with your mental health to go to a mental health practitioner because there might be something that's underlying and you just think you're having a bad day, but there actually might be a serious medical cause underlying all of these struggles. And I also want to encourage you, don't just start taking vitamin B12 and vitamin D. <laughs> Go check your levels first because otherwise you might have some serious side effects from overdosing and you can have very expensive urine. <laughs> and the third underlying cause for mental health struggles is whenever we have an ongoing or recent stress due to something happening in our own lives. So anything like work struggles, marital struggles, financial issues, maybe we've lost a loved one recently, or maybe we've had a traumatic incident or an accident. Anything like that where we have prolonged stress can also predispose us to mental health issues. And I wanna focus on this one for a little while because I, so many people ask like, why are we seeing so many more people struggle with mental health than ever before in previous decades and eras? So the first reason I think is that we're actually talking about it more and it probably has happened for ages but no one's admitted it. And the second thing is that I believe we are under so much more stress and pressure than we were ever supposed to be. We are living at a pace of life that is not conducive to healthy mental states. If you think about it, whenever you wake up in the morning, there's a million notifications, there's emails, there's reminders of your to-do list, there's constantly something that you need to do. There's constantly something that someone needs from you. And even if that's not the case, you have social media that constantly shows you what everyone else is doing, that people are living their best lives, but you're stuck in your own life. And we get stuck in the state of constantly thinking about other people and their lives and how overwhelmed we are in ours. So I grew up in Joburg, and it was always so funny because we came on holiday to Cape Town pretty much every holiday since I was born. And we always realized that Cape Town was so much slower than Joburg. Um, like we would always joke like when you went to a restaurant, you would eat at home first because you knew you were going to wait like an hour for your food in a Cape Town restaurant. And we were like, oh, everything is just so slow. They drive slow. They talk slow. They give us our food slow. Everything is just slow. But I've actually realized since moving here that Cape Town has sped up a lot to the point where you're on par, if not faster than Joburg, which is really saying something. But think about it. You wake up in the morning, you get stuck in traffic, you're fighting with taxis, there's load shedding, there's the news, what is the government doing? There's constantly stress and the pace of life is very fast. And us as humans, we're not designed to live in a constant state of stress. So we have something called a stress response in our bodies, and we colloquially call that the fight or flight response. So this is something designed, if you are being chased by a lion, your stress response get, gets activated. 
So it's very important that if you see a lion, you, your adrenaline shoots up and your cortisol, your stress hormone shoots up and you run away, right? But the problem is when we're exposed to periods of, periods of prolonged stress, what happens is your cortisol, the stress hormone, gets raised for a really long time. And when that happens, it causes other neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. It causes those um, neurotransmitters to go into very low levels. And those neurotransmitters are actually very important because they're the ones that make you feel chilled and like life is okay and we can relax. So it's a good thing that we have those um, stress responses because if you're encountering a lion, you need your cortisol to be high. Because if you have only serotonin and dopamine, you're gonna be like, hi, Mr. Lion. Nice to see you, I love your mane. Like, let's have a cup of tea. It won't work, right? You need your cortisol to be high. But if your cortisol is high for too long, all of those chilled, happy hormones are in decreased amounts. And that is why we struggle with mental health so much. So, how do we manage it? Or rather, first, who suffers from anxiety and depression? So the truth is anyone can suffer from anxiety and depression. Doesn't matter your age, your race, your culture, your profession, how much money you have in the bank, what your house looks like, what your car looks like. Anyone can suffer from depression and anxiety. And many Christians actually also um, in the Bible also suffered with anxiety and depression. Did you know that? Heroes of the faith even, not the one-liner Christians like that they write one line about and that's all. Like the people that have chapters and paragraphs about them, they even struggled. So if we look at Elijah, um, he's done amazing things. So I'm going to read a, um, a scripture quickly in 1 Kings 19 verses 1 to 4. And it says this, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May, may the gods strike me down and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. So here we see Elijah do an incredible thing. He just slays all the prophets of Baal, literally brings down fire. And then Jezebel threatens, I'm going to kill you. And then he's like, God, let me die. Like, let me die. So he was super depressed. If we look at King David, if you read the, the Psalms, you can see that he also went through extreme periods of depression. Even Jeremiah the prophet, he cursed the day that he was born. So I think it's very important for us to realize that as Christians, we're not immune to mental health struggles. Just like we're not immune to things like high blood pressure or diabetes or high cholesterol. So how do we manage this? Well, if it's, a, if it's a disorder, a medical disorder, we manage it like we would any other medical disorder. So think about it, if you have high blood pressure, or you say Matt has high blood pressure, me as the loving wife that I am, and the medical doctor that I am, don't say, come on, get over it. Get over your high blood pressure, go run a marathon, you'll be fine. Because I know that he's gonna have a stroke or a heart attack. 
and I'd really like him to be alive for more of our marriage. <laughs> so I think sometimes as Christians, we, we just want to tell people, you know, snap out of your mental health issues. Come, just pray a bit harder, have a bit more faith, and go run your marathon of life. But we actually need to have the perspective that says you have a disorder that you are struggling with. Just like with high blood pressure, you start taking some medication and you slowly lower the blood pressure. And as it gets safe, then you slowly start exercising and losing some weight and you might get to a point where you can down titrate the medication or even stop the medication. But it's a process. And for anyone struggling with mental health, the first thing that we should be saying, obviously prayer is important, and speaking God and speaking life over them is important, and I'll get to that in a moment. But we cannot neglect the fact that there is a hormonal and chemical imbalance that needs to be addressed. And so for that, our first thing should be, let me come with you to get help. Let's go to a doctor, let's go to a counselor, and let's sort out the root of the problem. And then as it becomes safe, then we can start exercising brains. So, how do medications work? So, all that medications work, so antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, they're actually the same. We use antidepressants for anxiety, so they all work the same. All that they do is train the brain to make more of the happy hormones, so the serotonin, the dopamine, the norepinephrine. That's all that they do. So because your cortisol has made them really low, it just trains your brain to make more of them. It's not witchcraft, it's not evil, it's just science. God made science. He made the people that discovered science and the brains of those who discovered science. So it's, it's actually from God. And I think something that's really important to realize when you're taking these medications is that it takes time to work. I've encountered many people that say, oh, I took it for a week and it did nothing. So psychiatrists recommend that the minimum amount of time it takes for these medications to become effective is six weeks. So if you are someone who's tried it, hang in there. It takes six weeks for the levels to become therapeutic in your blood. So hang in there and don't stop. And also it might take more, a different type of medication to one that you've tried before to work as well. So that's why help is an ongoing process. It's not just a once-off. So you first get prescribed the medication, and then you go back to your healthcare provider after a few weeks, and you say, hey, this worked, this didn't work. What do you think? Because we can't live in isolation. We need to go for continuous help. So the first thing we can do is medication, and the other thing we can do is exercise our minds, just like we would exercise our bodies for high blood pressure. So if you go to a therapist, often what they do for anxiety and depression is something called cognitive behavioral therapy. And all that is is that they teach you how to think in a different way. Because often what happens with mental health struggles is you start thinking in destructive and negative patterns. And as you think in those patterns, they actually form pathways in your brain. So without realizing it, those are your automatic ways of thinking. So what they do is they teach you how to rewire your thoughts and therefore rewire the pathways in your brain, which is pretty cool, I think. So that's the first way that you can exercise your brain and they teach you how to essentially retrain your brain. And that's the scientific part of it, but I also wanna remind you and teach you that there's a spiritual way that we retrain our brains. And this is not something that we can neglect because there's a God-sized hole in each of our hearts. 
And we can try all the medication in the world, we can try all the therapy in the world, but if we don't bring God into the equation, we will never experience the fullness of healing that he has in store for us. And so as you exercise your mind, you also need to retrain your mind in the ways of God. So Isaiah 26 verses three says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. And when it says fixed here, it actually means to rest your full weight on God. So we need to have a posture that says, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so sad, I'm so anxious, I'm gonna rest my full being on you. And the scripture says that when we do that, when we rest our full being on him, perfect peace actually comes upon us, which is quite an amazing revelation to get, actually. And then we also need to teach ourselves to rewire the way we think. So we need to start speaking God's promises over our lives again. So things like, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. God made me capable. God is faithful. God holds, holds me by the right hand. All those promises we need to speak over our lives on a daily basis so that we can rewire the way that our brain is structured and those pathways in our brain. And you know what, every day that you speak those promises over your life is gonna look a little bit different. There's gonna be some days where like when I was very depressed, you're gonna wake up and it's gonna take every cell in your being and all the energy in your being just to get up and show up. And on those days, you're gonna speak God's promises over your life. There's gonna be other days where you can't even get out of bed. But in your sleepy state, in your weak state, you're still gonna speak those promises over your life. And then you're gonna go back to sleep and you're just gonna make it through the day. And there's gonna be other days where you're full of joy and you're gonna be shouting these promises from the rooftops. But the point is, no matter how you're feeling and no matter what kind of day you're facing, we've gotta speak these promises over our lives. And I wanna encourage you that if you are having one of those days where you can't get yourself out of bed, where you feel like you can't face life anymore, can I encourage you, just go back to sleep but keep living? It's better to be asleep but alive than to end it because I promise you that better days are coming. Better days are coming that there is freedom in Jesus' name, there is healing in Jesus' name. And you do what you have strength for on that day. So if you only have strength to go to bed, you go to bed. If you have strength to show up at work or at varsity or at home, you show up. If you have strength to run up a mountain and shout Jesus from the rooftops, then you do that. But you show up and you do whatever you have strength for on that day, but you still do it. Don't give up, you have way, much way too much potential in you. God has designed you uniquely for a purpose. There's people that he has in mind that you need to reach. So you don't give up. You do what you can do on that day. And if that's all you can do, that's enough because you're doing what you can. And God will do the rest. I truly believe that God wants healing for us. He wants freedom for us. But you know what, church, the truth is that healing is gonna look different for every one of us. Some people pray, and in a split second, they're healed. But other people have to walk a journey, and it takes a while. Some people need more than prayer, and that's okay. Some people do need medication. Some people do need therapy. 
And that's okay. As I said earlier, it's not evil to seek things outside of prayer because God has designed everything. He's designed every tool that can help us. And often he'll use a combination of methods for our healing. And so we need to be vulnerable and say, okay, God, whatever it is that you wanna do in my life, whichever way of healing you wanna use for me, I'm open to it. Obviously not crystals and weird things like that, but like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> scientifically proven things. But we really need to be open to saying, God, I wanna be healed. Give me the courage to seek the help that I need. Give me the wisdom to know which kind of help to seek. So just to close off, I'm gonna give you some practical tips this evening. The first three are gonna be for those who are not struggling with their mental health. Because as I mentioned earlier, each and every one of us is gonna come into contact with someone struggling with their mental health. And the first thing is that love people where they're at. Everyone struggling with mental health issues has a distorted way of, brain, of their brain functioning. Their brain is not functioning optimally. And often that means that they struggle to connect with other people and even to connect with God. And so it is our responsibility as the church that we go and love people no matter what state they're in, no matter how broken they are. And we bring God to them because they might not be able to connect with God themselves. We take God to them. We speak God's promises over them when they can't speak them over themselves. We love them where they are at. We don't make them feel bad for feeling the way they're feeling. We love them where they're at. The second thing that I encourage us to do is to get real with one another. I think a lot of us are very good at keeping it all together superficially when we're actually going through a lot internally. And so I'm gonna encourage you, the people that you work with, even your family, let's get real with them. Let's ask them how they're really doing. Is there anything that I can help you with? because often people are going through so much and no one's taken the time to ask them how they're doing. And then next thing we hear that something fatal has happened. So let's reach out, let's be attentive to those around us. They, people actually show a lot more signs that they're struggling than we realize, but we're just not paying attention. So let's keep our eyes open, let's ask people how they're doing. And the third thing I wanna encourage us to do is to be compassionate towards those who are struggling. It always amazes me at the hospital, anyone who's struggling with like a stroke or a heart attack, their family come to visit and there's flowers and there's cards and there's cards from their employers and all the showering of love. Like, I'm so sorry that you had a heart attack, but we love you and we support you and we're there for you. But I see such a different response when it comes towards people who are struggling with their mental health. It's like, come on, snap out of that. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, just snap out of it. Just think a bit more positively and you'll be fine. And I wanna encourage you, especially if you're an employer or you look after people, if people say they need a mental health day, take it as seriously as if they were medically sick or physically sick. Because often, it actually has the same effect on our bodies, but some, for some reason, we don't take mental health as seriously. So let's just be a bit more compassionate towards people because that might be the difference between someone deciding to end it versus someone taking a day to actually just regroup, 
like refresh themselves and to show up a few days later. So those are the three things you can do if you're not struggling. And now if you are struggling with your mental health, and the first thing I wanna say is you're not alone. It might feel like you're alone, but you're not alone. Maybe you need to reach out to a view group so that you surround yourself with community again, because mental health has this issue where we isolate ourselves usually, but we need to surround ourselves with community again. The second thing we need to do is we need to actually have the courage to get help. So many of us think, oh, it'll be better the next day, and you know, I'll just pray hard and it will go away. Or maybe you feel like it's a sign of weakness if you get help. But I wanna encourage you, take that step and get help. Don't be like me who, who had months of waking up with panic attacks in the middle of the night, and then looking back and getting help and saying, oh, I should have done that so much sooner. Get help this week, because there's so much more to life than you're currently experiencing. And there is help available. The third thing, and I mentioned on it earlier, is just keep going. Whatever it looks like on that day, just keep going. Just put one foot in front of the other. Even if that's metaphorical because you're lying in your bed, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and just keep going. And the last thing that I recommend that you do is schedule in appointments with a great physician. So we know that God is our great physician and he can bring about a healing that is so much fuller and so much more complete than any type of healing we can get from science and from therapists. And sometimes we're so good at scheduling in therapy sessions and sessions with our doctors, but we forget to schedule appointments with a great physician. So I'm gonna encourage you tonight, that is the one thing that we can do that will make the biggest difference. Don't take God out of the equation, schedule in appointments to connect with Him. We need to fill, we all have this intrinsic need for God and unless that's filled, whether you're struggling with mental health or not, if we don't fill that hole for God in our hearts, we're gonna feel empty and we're gonna feel incomplete. So let's schedule in appointments that we get God back into our hearts. And with that, I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes. This is such an incredible opportunity to connect with God. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what life looks like, but I know that God loves you and He wants to walk this journey with you. And He wants to show you the fullness and the joy that life has to offer. And so in this place, I'm gonna give you an opportunity tonight to invite God into your heart. There's no one looking around, every eye's closed, and this is just a moment between you and God. So if that's you tonight and you're saying, God, I wanna invite you into my heart, or maybe it's been a while, but you wanna invite him back into your heart and reconnect with him, then I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. And as a church, we're all gonna pray with you together as a sign of unity and support for you. So let's pray together, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me and thank you that you died on the cross for my sin I admit God that I'm a sinner but I know that you died for me and I know that you rose on the cross three, 
um, rose from death three days later. And so I pray today that you come into my heart, that you make me a new person, change the way I think, change the way I feel, make me into a new person, God. Guide me, lead me, and show me your ways as you come into my heart today. In your name I pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, church. Come on, let's just honor Robin. I thought it was incredible. I'm so glad she's left these here. This actually also represents Matt's supper every night. Hey, is that pretty much where it's at? Hey? But um, just, you know, both messages today, this morning, this evening, it's so helpful. And so I honor you, Robin, for even just sharing your story and what you went through. And, and this year, we want to help you guys. So if you are sitting in this room and you're going, I need help, we've got an email address that's going to pop up. And please email us so that we can actually help you go on this journey of getting help. So um, can we have the email address up? There it is. So if you can email us if you need help. And then if you're sitting in this room and you actually want to help people in the future, you, you got a heart to see people helped in this area, we've got a counseling course that's starting next week, Tuesday. And so you can also sign up to be trained as a counselor. Um, and that will you you will find the best way to do that is to use our next steps card there's a seat coming in front of you if you're in the front row under your seat and you can say i want to be i want to sign up to be trained as a counselor and you can get more info about that so use that card okay and please use that email address if you need help so listen if you are getting baptized um, you can go get ready uh, ladies go to the ladies toilets gents to the gents um, baptism is a public declaration of our faith we're declaring publicly what's happened privately. Uh, we're declaring that Jesus has come into our life and He's forgiven us of our sins and the old is gone, the new has come. And we, of course, declare that publicly by following the, Jesus into the waters because Jesus got baptized. We're following His example. And as we do it, we get buried. You know, it's a picture of being buried. The old is gone and the new has come. And we're doing that in water. Um, so I encourage you, if you have given your life to God, you've received Him as your Savior, then your next step is water baptism. We see right throughout the Bible, people believed the message, received Jesus, and were water baptized. And of course, it's also publicly acknowledging Christ. The Scripture says as we acknowledge Christ publicly, He acknowledges us, acknowledges us before our Father in heaven. So if you'd like to get water baptized tonight, there are this shorts, t-shirt, and a towel and you can also go to the ladies, ladies tourist gents, gents, if you'd like to get water baptized. Um, just on this topic, I had two seasons where I went through depression. Once was when I was 16 at school, and the next time when I was 20. And the second time I went through it where I was not wanting to get out of my room in total sadness for a long period. Uh, the first time I, I, I knew about Jesus, but I wasn't in a relationship with Him. The second time when I went through it, I was in a relationship with Jesus and I could go to Him and use whatever strength I had, like Robin said, and go to Him. And that season was way better. 
and I did get keys even in the first season. Uh, my mother actually saw that I was in it, and and I actually got keys from her as well. Um, so you need your you need people around you, and most of all, you need Jesus to go through this. And and I promise you, as you start to move again with God and with the help, it will get better. Your best days are ahead of you in Jesus name so you don't quit you get up you keep going you get help you come to Jesus and and yeah so please use that email address so we're going to end the service now um, remember growth track this Tuesday you can just shop over here at the hall 6 that it's your next step and then we're going to be celebrating baptisms outside if you are new uh, please go grab your first cappuccino if you want to get connected go to the red banner for cappuccino and get connected uh, straight off the service as you walk outdoors you'll see it God bless you guys